This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Chuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. Today, we will continue with a few chuvos of the Noda Bihuda. Last week, I mentioned that the Noda Bihuda was opposed to Hasidus at his time. Nevertheless, the Hasidim held him in great respect. One of the most famous chuvos of the Noda Bihuda is found in Yeridea, in the first, what you call Madura Kama of Yeridea, number Tzadi Gimel. There, the discussion revolved around saying L'Shem Yichud. A custom that was instituted in that generation was that they used to say the phrase, actually, many people have it printed in their Sidurim, and even those that generally don't say it, somehow the night of Pesach, it's printed in many Agados, and they say the words, L'Shem Yichud Yisrael, most people really don't understand what the phrase means, what the Kabbalistic implications are, but it is printed in certain places, and in his generation, it was a really new development that was printed in this in this Sidurim. And the question that the Nodabiyuda discussed, that the question that was asked him was, what is the exact correct text? And his response was, before you discuss the correct text, let's discuss it, if it's good at all to, to say this phrase. And in the words of the of the it's a bad, sick thing in our generation. Generations before did not say it. People who were totally immersed in the world of Torah mitzvahs with Torah Shabal Peh, Poskim, and they knew Gemara, they knew a lot of learning, and they never thought of saying such a thing. In our generation, where people left the sources of Torah, the Gemara, Bavli Yushalmi, instead <coughs> they went to other types of learning which the Noda Yudah calls Borot Nishbarim, broken wells. Of course, paraphrasing the Pasuk, they left HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mekomayim Chayim, Lachzov Lahem Borot Nishbarim. These people, the Noda Yudah said, Amachrivei Hador. They are the ones who cause a churban to our generation. And about this, it's very famous that the, the Noda Yudah said, about this generation, I quote the Pasuk, Yesharim Darchei Hashem, Tzadikim Yelchubam, Vachasidim Yikashlubam. Of course, the paraphrase of the Pasuk, this says, Yesharim Darchei Hashem, Tzadikim Yelchubam, Ufoshim Yikashlubam. And here, he took the word Poshim and made Chasidim out of it. In some texts of the Noda Behuda and some of the Chuvas, apparently, the printer uh, put in the word Vachasidim, and some took it out and wrote Uposhim Yikashlubam. And the, 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 the vart that was said about this is the Chazon, the, the, the Noda Behuda took the word Poshim and made Chasidim out of them. But the uh, people who changed this text took the Hasidim and made Poshim out of them. And the Noda Behuda says really 
there's a lot to discuss about this particular issue, but sometimes it's better not to talk if uh, than to say things that won't be listened to. At the end, the 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 uh, person who asked the question asked, "Should how should you say? Should you say liyached shem yudke vavke? Is that a problem to say the words? Is it a problem to say the words?" So the Noda Buddha said, I remember from my childhood that people used to say Yud, the whole thing without saying what, the way we pronounce it today, Yudke Vavke. And he doesn't think that's really usur, but he said today I think it's better to be quiet, the thing should be forgotten, you should not think about it. And the Noda Buddha said himself that when he goes to do a mitzvah, he would say, I, if you want to say something, I want to do this for a mitzvah. But not to say the Shem Yichud. As I, I mentioned, the Nodebudu is obviously against the Hasidic custom in this particular area. There were other cases where the Nodebudu was asked about changing the text of the Siddur. For example, in the Yom Kippur davening, it says, Milvad chatata kipurim v'olat ha-tamid. Now, in Rosh Hashanah, you also say, Milvad something v'olat ha-tamid. And there, the Noda Buda amended the text of the Siddur. He said, chatata tamid should not be said because it had no connection with what we said before. In fact, in one place it said that you bring the two tamidim, and then it said, Milvad chatata tamid. How can you say the two tamidim, Milvad ha-tamid? That would make, there were three tamidim. So the Nod of Yudah really did amend the Siddur and recommend certain changes in the Siddur. I, I don't know of many other examples, but that example is printed in the Tshuva. But the the customs that were instituted by Hasidim, that seemed to be a, a tremendous bone of contention where the Nod of Yudah was really upset. And of course, I said, this Tshuva is extremely well known. Perhaps the most famous tshuva of the Noda Behuda in halacha, not in some sort of polemics against the Hasidim, is the tshuva in Yeridea Madura Tinyana Simen Reshud. And the question was about autopsies. Can a person study autonomy, anatomy, sorry, is a person to study anatomy and obviously there are certain different types of cases, but the the question was asked by a mechutin of the Noda Behuda, his name is Revleib Fishlis, who wrote a kuntris, and he sent it to the Noda Behuda to ask for his opinion. The question had arisen, originally arisen in, in London. There was a person who died of a certain disease, and the, the doctors who were involved in studying medicine felt that they did not know how to cure such a disease. And therefore, the people in London were asked, are you allowed to do an autopsy in order to discuss what was the source of this particular disease? And therefore, the the doctors could use it to cure other people in the future. Is there a problem of Nivel Hamas? Is there a problem of Bizayon HaMais in such a case? Or perhaps it's Mutter because of Pikrach Nefesh in the future. Now, there was 
there were pros and cons to this question, and the Novab Yudha summarized the pros and the cons. He said at first, they did embalm people, that shows that they do not have to necessarily bury the body in a normal way. They brought a, a, a proof from the uh, tshuva of the Rajba that you're allowed to transfer a body and in order to uh, enable the body to decompose quicker, you're allowed to put seed, lime, on the body to cause a quicker decomposition, that the body should decompose faster. So you see that there are things that you can do with before you bury the person. So maybe you're allowed to do an autopsy. The person who said it's the the side for saying it's usher quoted a famous gemara in Bnei, in in Bava Basra. The gemara there tells a story that happened in Bnei Brak. A person was important for for certain financial reasons to determine whether you're what what was the cause of death of a, a particular person. Rabbi Kiva said you're not allowed to cut the body. There it was only because of money. But what would be in case of Pikrach Nefesh? This was part of the discussion of the what happened in, in London. The person who asked the question to know the Behuda argued with all the above reasons. He said uh, to embalm a person is not considered a Bizayon. So that wasn't an issue. Why, what would be the proof from the fact that they embalm bodies in, in Chumash? There is no Bizayon at all. The putting the lime on the body is also not considered nifl. It's obvious that cutting the body is a bigger problem of nifl and bizayim. But, now, on the other hand, if there's really pikrach nefesh, there's nothing to discuss. Rabbi Kiva, who in Bava Basra discussed cutting up a body for the purpose of monetary reasons. But what does that have to do with pikrach nefesh? So, he said, from that point, you could actually discuss that it might be motive for Pikrach Nefesh. So, the Noda Behuda, in this particular case, brought other proofs, but he says one thing. The Noda Behuda basically said, is there a suffix Pikrach Nefesh here? Then what do you have to spend all this time at Pilpul? That's a Gemara. Suffix Pikrach Nefesh is Dochesh Abbas. If any, you have any reasonable doubt of Pikrach Nefesh that you can you can be Mechal Shabbos to save a person's life. But the Nodabu that came here with his famous point. All this that I'm saying that it's permitted is when there's a suffix Pikrach Nefesh. So the case Lefaneinu, that's the most crucial word here. Lefaneinu, what does that mean? Let's say there's a, a, a plague going on. And people are dying. Now there are other people who have the same plague and we don't know how to cure them. So that's called Chole Lefaneinu. There's an immediate case of Pikrach Nefesh. And therefore you'd be allowed to do the autopsy. But there is no particular Chole net now. Just doctors want to study medicine. Maybe someday they'll need to know this anatomy in order to save a life. So then, the Noda Buddha said, there is no possibility of being matir 
an Issa Daraisa or even an Issa Rabbanan. Because if that would be true, argued another Behuda, then all study of medicine would be Mutter and Shabbos. Anything you need to study medicine would be Mutter and Shabbos. Because maybe you'll need it. So, and therefore, because Kalanda, the Noda Behuda, was not Matir, only with the, even the, he said, the non-Jewish doctors did not do autopsies, unless there are cases of people who already had agreed when they were alive to be autopsied. And therefore, if Chas V'Shama would be Mekil, everybody, everybody would be autopsied in order to, to, to treat the living in the future. Therefore, the Nodabuda said that there's no heter and there's no reason to elaborate. Whoever said it's mutter is a shkagai yatsamu thikvad malato. He obviously made a mistake because he was interested in being naked. Now, on one hand, this chuva of the Nodabuda seems to take a very severe approach. You can only be matir when there is a cholelefanenu, when there's a particular case in front of, in front of us. Otherwise, no Dabir, there was Machmir. This tshuva engendered a tremendous amount of literature. Almost anyone who has dealt with the issues of autopsies has discussed this tshuva of the Noda Yehuda. In the edition that I mentioned last week, the Noda Yehuda HaShalem, where in the back they have a list and a, a brief summary of people who quoted this Noda Behuda. So they quote Shuvas from Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, from the Shoalu Meshiv, from Devar Yoshua, Machne Chaim, Chazonish, Igros Moshe, Chazam Sofer, etc., etc., that discuss this Shuvah. In the biography of the Noda Behuda written by Ayelib Gelman, he precedes the discussion of this tshuva by quoting tshuvas of Rav Herzog in the beginning of the establishment of medical schools in Israel who discussed the source of finding some sort of a heter to do autopsies for students to learn. And he shows, uh, this Gelman in his biography, showed that somehow the impetus of the heter indirectly came from the Noda Behuda. One of the questions would be, what is considered chola lefanenu? Today we have modern medicine. So, we have modern communication. If a doctor in Timbuktu would find a rare disease, and he posted it immediately in the email, somewhere over the, over the world, perhaps the same case could come up. In, in determining the cause of death, and understanding the cause of death, there seems to be a much greater place to be making today because of instant communication. Of course, there are two different issues. One is to do the autopsy to determine the cause of death for general knowledge of medicine, which I said, we might be inclined to say that modern communication would make a difference. The, on the other hand, there's also generally that students are studying medicine and they do autopsies. The argument that, that that Rabbi uh, Nadab Yudha said, well, if we would be Matthew anything on Shabbos, 
they because because they should study medicine quicker. There, one could distinguish between you don't have to study on Shabbos; you can study six days a week. But you, and you need not study medicine on Shabbos. You need not be mechal Shabbos in order to become a doctor. But to become a doctor without anatomy in most schools is impossible, and therefore you basically be wiping out the study of medicine by from Jews. Again, this point could be debated and argued. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, again, quoting the Nodabiuda and basing himself on his principles, in the Igras Moshe and Yaradeya Chalik Beis, in Simon Kufnan Aleph, Rabbi Moshe really argues there's no reason for anybody to study medicine. If a person is a doctor, there's a mitzvah upon him to save lives at the expense of Chil Shabbos, etc., etc. But there's no halacha that uh, this person needs study medicine. So therefore, Rabbi Moshe does not find a heter easily to do autopsies and uh, for medical students. As I said before, this engendered a tremendous discussion. The This halachic issue continues until this very day. And obviously, all medical students all over the world, all the rabbanim who deal with medical ethics, have to come to grips with this question in terms of studying modern medicine. And I, as I just said, the Nodabiyudah's brief tshuva became a very important springboard for all the poskim who have discussed this issue. Obviously, I do not mean to project any opinion at all, because today, one should look at the poskim of today and see what their psak is. All I wanted to point out is the fact that the Nodabiyuda almost engendered a very large discussion of this topic. Another question that I'd like to raise in the name of the Nodabiyuda is found in Dafka in Arachayim, Simid Lamed Hay. There, the question was asked about a person who committed adultery. A man put, did chas v'shalom. He did znus with an eshesish. The question that he was asked, does he have to tell the husband? And how should he do tshuva? Of course, if he would tell the husband, then the husband would be forced to divorce his wife. In this particular case, it was a problem of uh, the bizayon of the family, uh, there's covered abrios involved, so would he be required to tell the person? He should. Should he also say that if the person in question doesn't listen and doesn't react, namely by divorcing his wife, would he have to go to Besdin? Would it, when Bezdin have to enforce the law of Eshazishazimsa? The Nodabiyuda said, I'm going to answer first and first. I would first of all say, there's no Kavada Brias involved here. The, the, you do have to tell the person. There is another question that would should be discussed. Do you have to believe? The person who told him, does he necessarily have to believe it? Let's remember the Mishnah in the Darim says if a woman comes to her husband and said she committed adultery, 
So the Mishnah says you, the husband can stay married to her. If he does believe her, then it might be a problem. But if he doesn't believe her, maybe he doesn't have to believe her. Here, in this particular case, maybe the person himself wouldn't know the law, and therefore, maybe it would be considered as omemotar. Omemotar, the person doesn't know it's us, or maybe it would be like a shogeg, and maybe in such a case you wouldn't have to tell. So he says, however, we, we really have to discuss that particular issue. And that might be a place to discuss a heter. The fact that an Ashes Ishes Insa could have the Avey removed if we would use Afkinu in a particular case, of course, uh, we would have to know exactly uh, when you could use the concept of Afkinu, but since you could use the, the concept of Afkinu, that the Chachamim have the power somehow to say this marriage can be dissolved automatically from the very beginning, perhaps the Isser is not as strong as other Isser, but then of course the Noda Behuda says, he discusses, no, I don't think this Isser is at all considered a, a minor Isser, and therefore, it seems to me that you should tell the husband. Now, in case the husband is an old person, and let's assume these people, he would understand the Iser, and he would not want to divorce his wife. The shame, the disgrace, but perhaps they are allowed to stay married without having any relations. In such a case, perhaps you don't have to do that. You don't have to, you have to tell him, but he wouldn't have to divorce his wife. Going to Bezdin would be of no avail. Either the husband will listen or not listen, but he felt they would not go to Bezdin. So my suggestion, said the Noda Behuda at the end, is to tell the husband privately. You don't necessarily have to tell him that you were the one that committed adultery. You should tell him that his wife committed adultery. And if the husband doesn't believe you, because you're just speaking in general, then maybe you should say it's you who committed the adultery. Maybe that would convince him more. Also, the fact that you'd be ashamed is good for you. Because you should be ashamed. And the Gemara says in Brachis that if a person does Nadeira and is ashamed, he he does get Mechila. So, I think, says Noda Behuda, that you have to understand there's a double Aveira here. There's Naveira Benol Ben Hamakam. You did Nisir Daraisa between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But there's also and a Ben Adam Lechaveiro here, because you created an Easter for the, of the wife to the husband. Therefore, you should tell him and ask Mechila, because otherwise you don't get Mechila. An Aveiro Ben Adam Lechaveiro, you don't get Mechila. But I think the, the 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 shame of the family is lessened if you don't tell anyone the. Uh, 
except for the husband. And then, as I said before, the Nadebi points out, Habar Kvaruzakein Baba Yamim, their husband is old, and he does not is not required to I think that's a chiddush. A man can live with a woman without having any relations. They do not have to get divorced, even though she's also Timapidin. And he's not to be suspected that he'll do the Avera because she's considered disgraceful in his eyes, Meusa, because she committed adultery. And therefore, I think you're allowed to keep her home, and I, he felt that would be the best solution. The questioner asked him, how do you do tshuva? And he discussed, you know, he raised the issue that he's not feeling so well, so, you know, the fasts, and uh, other uh, aver- types of averos, types of uh, kaparos, he might be difficult for him. The Nelda Behuda, again, the classic misnagid, perhaps was relating here to the concept of certain Hasidim at that time that did, or even may, perhaps in the Muslim movement, some people did some very strange forms of trying to atone for their sins. And the Nelda Behuda answered, as was his style, I do not know how to tell you anything about this, because all I know is what's found in the Gemara and the Poskin. In the Gemara, they didn't say anything about fasting, how many times of fasting, for what types of sins. It, it's true that fasting is considered as a an atonement of sin, as it says in Yoel, but to tell you how many and what else to do, it, that's found in the Musa books and the Chuva books, and, and, and one book relies on the other, there's no special uh, basis for any of it. We found kulos, we found chumris. Look, you yourself today are a Tamad Chacham. The Balchuva himself who wrote him was a Tamad Chacham. So you do what you ever feel is fine. If you really ask me, so I'll tell you a little bit about this. I said, I'll tell you that it really is a tremendous Aveira. You said you've done it for a long time. So, for many times, and you did, uh, so I, I, I don't know exactly what to tell you, but, I, I do want to tell you that you should do tshuva, etc., etc. The last tshuva that I'd like to mention today is a tshuva that I've discussed in other uh, areas as well, is a tshuva that Noda Buda wrote in Evan Ha'ezer about a per- the rabbi who is Mesader Kedushin in the case of a person who is not uh, clear about his marriage. I'll explain in a moment. The question in Noda Buda Madura Tinyana, Chelek Aleph, was asked specifically about an Androgynous. Can he get married? Androgynous is a person we're not sure if he's, ma- if he's male or female. So the question about the Androgynous, who has both male and female characteristics, is not what I the I, the point that I want to focus on the the tshuva of the of the Nodabuda said at the end that he could get married he thinks he could get married but they shouldn't make the brachas because since um, we're not sure so the brachas are not ma'akev don't make the brachas 
But then the Nelda Buddha went on to say the following point. I want you to know that even when a person is deaf, I'm not sure how you can make the brachas. Because the brachas ha'erisin, now we're talking about the brachas ha'erisin, the brachas ha'erisin really should be made by the, by the, by the groom, by the chasen. And the Nelda Buddha quotes a tshuva of the Rambam, that if someone else makes the bracha other than the chasen, it's a bracha vatala. The Ramam, of course, thinks that the birchas ha'erisin is a birchas ha'mitzvah, to be made by the person who fulfills the mitzvah, and no one else can make the bracha. In the tshuva, the Ramam says, it's a bracha vatala. In other words, our custom today, that the rabbi makes that bracha, according to the Rambam, in the tshuva is, is a bracha vatala. The Noda Behuda says, but that's not the minig Yisrael. Our minig is that the person who's Masada Kedushin, the rabbi, makes the bracha. And the, he quotes the uh, explanation of the Beis Shmuel, because we don't want to embarrass somebody who doesn't make the bracha. But nevertheless, the bracha is made for the chasen. Since the chasen can't hear the bracha, I don't know how you can make a bracha for him. And then he discusses maybe the bracha is for the kala. If the bracha is for the kala, at least the kala is yotze. If they're both deaf, he has a bigger problem. But the bottom line that the note of Yudha said that the Bircha Sa'erusin is for the Chasun. Now, this also engendered a great discussion. I, apparently, we don't pass them like this Rambam. Since we follow the opinion that a the rabbi makes the bracha, apparently we think like the Rush rather than the Rambam. The Rush in Ksubas thinks the bracha is not a birchas ha-mitzvah, the birchas ha-erusin is like a birchas ha-shavach, and it can be said by anyone. So, the argument of the Nodab is only according to the Rambam. Moreover, since the Sephardim Paskin like the Rambam, it would seem that the chasen must make the bracha. Since the Nodab said it would be a bracha batala, if not, I went to this wedding where Rav Kapach was the Masadic Kedushin, and he made the bracha. So I asked him how he could do it. So his answer was, it's Kalkalno. In Teman, we would not allow this to happen, but in Israel, I became uh, somewhat uh, lax in the, our observance of the Rambam. So I said to him, yeah, but according to Rambam, it's a brachel vatala. His response was, I know of no Rambam that says that. He was certainly well aware of the Noda Behuda that quoted Shiva Rambam, but he said he never saw such a Shiva Rambam. Rav Kapach was such an expert in the Rambam, it's hard to believe that there is a tshuva of the Rambam anywhere in our manuscripts or anywhere in our printed svarim that Rav Kapach was unaware of. So Rav Kapach denied that the Rambam said it was a brachel vatala. He just said that it is more proper for the chassan to make the bracha himself in accordance with the shitas of shita of the Rambam. However, the Rush disagreed, and the Rush said it's a birchas ashavach, or it's like a birchas ashavach, and therefore the bracha is not incumbent upon the chassan, but anybody in the community can make the bracha. So, according to that, the uh, the bracha of the of the of the of the birchas eirusin could be made by the chassan itself or by the Rav, whichever you prefer. So, the, this machlokas between the Rush and the Rambam seems to be that the Ashkenazim passing like the Rush, and today even the Svaradim have somehow accepted the opinion of the Rush, or at least are not that makbid as they once were, to let the Chassan to make the bracha by himself. Achronim also discussed this question, 
And as I said in the Noda Buda Shalem, there are a number of references to the Shuva, and it should be emphasized that it seems that Noda Buda is only talking about Birchas Eirisen. The Birchas Hanesuin, the Sheva, what we call Sheva Brachas, is a different story completely. The Machlokas between the Rosh and the Rambam was limited only to, to the Birchas Eirisen, the Bracha that the, that we traditionally have the Ravs making that Bracha under the Chuppah, and as our custom, the Rav does it. I also discussed should that bracha be as close to the ceremony as possible? Some rabbis, when they perform the wedding, so make the bracha, and after they make the bracha, they tell the chassin what to do, and they get the ring, and they tell the edim. According to the Rambam, if it's a birchas ha-mitzvah, it should be as closely connected, over la-siyasan, so you should make the bracha immediately before you do, the the before the chassin is mekadesh the girl. Whereas according to the rush, it probably wouldn't make a difference. It's a birchas ha-shevach, that can be, that should be made at the time of the chuppah, but really it could be made even before, it could be made after. It need not be made in conjunction necessarily with the bracha. But again, according to the Rambam, it seems you should make the bracha just before you do the mitzvah of Elasiyasan.